They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Puah, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on a delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Thank you, Phil. I have yeah, maybe you can put that there. Good morning. How are you, friends? My name is Kristen. If I don't know you yet, I'm part of the teaching team here at Elevation, and I have the privilege to come and speak to you every now and then on the series that um, we in, here at Elevation are doing. Um, so this month, we're in a series called Reading Between the Lines, where we're studying lesser-known Bible stories to see what we can learn about God and who we are as God's people. And so this week, I'm going to talk to you about Shifra and Pua. Um, if you don't know who these women are, you can be forgiven because their story only takes up a few verses in the chap first chapter of Exodus, but their impact on the nation of Israel and God's people is profound. After studying their story this week, I believe Shifra and Pua have something to teach us about what it means to live at the intersection between a spiritual reality and a physical reality, and how to bring our lives and our actions into harmony with the spiritual reality and truth that permeates our world. So I believe Shifra and Pua know how to pull focus and see God's design permeating our world. When I was in university, um, I worked at our university's TV station. I was a film major. And part of my job was that I had to run the cameras during chapel uh, each week. So I went to a Christian university down in the States, and we had chapel three times a week. And this would have been in the late 90s, the early 2000s. And part of running cameras for chapel meant that um, they would have like two or three cameras in the auditorium. And we would stand behind these big, massive cameras on their tripods. And we had to wear these headsets. And the reason why we had to wear headsets is because in another room, in another part of the building, there would be the director working with all the stuff. And he would be live editing the chapel as it's happening. So he would call out instructions to each of the camera workers and say, camera one, you need to zoom in on the worship leader. Or camera two, can you give us a shot of the crowd? And so we would have to respond. It was very important we had our headsets on because we would respond, move the camera, and then he would start live editing it together in the back. Now, I had forgotten this particular story about myself. I think I had suppressed it. Uh, until someone on Facebook, one of my coworkers, posted a picture of me working the cameras and reminded me of this story. And something you need to know about me is that um, uh, actually underneath, uh, I am a real space cadet, uh, living with my husband who is like the most responsible person in the world. Having two kids growing up has matured me and grounded me. Uh, but in my teen years and young adult years, I was 
I was out to lunch most of the time. I was much more interested in what was going on inside of my head than what was happening in the world around me. My sister is here visiting today. She can attest to this. I drove my family and my friends crazy. So anyway, you just have to keep this in mind as I tell you this story. So my friend who worked with me at the TV station posted this picture of me on Facebook, and he's like, Kristen, do you remember this? And he told me this story, and I was horrified. He was like, one day the director kept saying, Kristen, zoom in on the worship leader. Kristen, zoom in on the worship leader. And my camera wasn't moving. And so he finally said to one of the other camera operators, what is Kristen doing? And he looked up and he saw that I had removed my headsets. I was singing along with worship, had my eyes closed and my hands raised, (laughs) completely spaced out (laughs) from my job. (laughs) Um, But I have grown up since then. I am much more reliable now, not to fear. Um, But you could argue that maybe I was more attuned to the spiritual reality in that moment than the physical reality of doing my job. Luckily, I didn't lose my job that day. Um, So that's what I think Shifra and Pua have to teach us today, and we're going to learn about their story. So this story begins actually back in Genesis with Joseph and his coat of many colors. Most of us would know this story. Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob, and his older brothers, he had 10 of them, were very jealous of him. So they kidnapped him, they sold him into slavery, and he was taken to Egypt where he, over the course of his life, slowly rose from being a slave to being the most powerful person in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Well, when he got to that place, he finally confronted his brothers, forgave them for what they did for him, and then invited them to all come and live with him in Egypt. So his entire family, all 11 of his brothers, his younger brother and 10 older brothers, their families, his mom and his dad, they all came and moved to Egypt and settled down. And the Bible tells us they flourished In the intervening years, the story of Exodus 1 opens up. In that time, since Joseph had been in Egypt, the Israelites had been fruitful and multiplied, Exodus tells us. But actually, the Hebrew version um, is a little bit more vivid. It says the Israelites became fruitful and swarmed. They increased in number and became increasingly strong. Now, the early hearers of the story would have immediately saw the parallel between the language here in Exodus and the language in Genesis 1. Because in Genesis 1-9, after the great flood that destroyed the earth, God says to Noah and his family, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So early listeners to the story would have understood that the Israelites were actually carrying out God's creation mandate to let life flourish. This first order that he had given Noah and his sons, these Israelites are continuing to carry out. They're letting life flourish. They're creating life. Life is sacred. They're having children, and they're filling the earth. However, Pharaoh didn't see things this way. Exodus tells us that in the intervening years after Joseph passed away, Um, this Pharaoh has forgotten Joseph and his influence. And so he sees the numbers of Israelites growing, and he gets afraid. He sees them as a threat to his power and his wealth, and he tells his people, look, if the Israelites get to be too many, then they can easily form together and be a military power against us. Or if they want, they could all decide to up and leave, and they would bottom out our economy and our society. So he tells his people, in order to try to control the masses, he says, you know, we're going to enslave them. And so he tries to control the population growth of the Israelites by essentially trying to work them to death. 
It doesn't work. His plan doesn't work, and the Israelites flourish. So then Pharaoh grows more desperate, and he turns to even more desperate measures, and he seeks to cut life off at its very beginning and at its most vulnerable. And he calls these two Hebrew midwives to himself, Shifra and Puah. And I want to note here that in this Bible story, they are given names where Pharaoh is never named. So clearly these women are significant in this story. Pharaoh tells Shifra and Pua to look on the birthing stone, which is really the moment the babies are born, the minute they leave their mother's bodies. He says, look at the babies. If it's a boy, kill it. But if it's a girl, let it live. And the Bible tells us that Shifra and Pua listened to Pharaoh's orders, but then they quietly defied him because they feared God. I think it's really interesting here because we see two kinds of fear juxtaposed against one another in this story that lead to two very different kinds of behavior. First, we have Pharaoh's fear, which is a more traditional human fear. Like every dictator and tyrant that has followed Pharaoh, he's allowing fear of people who are different from him um, to let him see those people as a threat, as an other, as less than human. And so Pharaoh's fear is born out of a false sense of, of um, scarcity. He's insecure. He thinks he has to control the circumstances and the surroundings so that he can protect himself, his power, his wealth. His fear is born out of an orientation to earthly values that tells us there is not enough, tells us that we are the ones in control, there's no one else looking out for us that our neighbors are jealous of us, and that they actually want to take from us and harm us. But meanwhile, there's Pua and Shifra's fear. Now, their fear is not this human fear, and actually the Hebrew word fear here means a reverential trust in God and a commitment to God's revealed will. So I like how my NIV uh, commentary explains it. It says this, just that. It's a reverential trust in God and a commitment to God's revealed will. Shifra and Pua revere God and they trust God. And they're committed to God's revealed will, which is that life is sacred. And that life should flourish and fill the earth. And that Israel is in fact following God's beautiful design and order. So Shifra and Pua's fear is rooted in not in earthly values, but in spiritual values that are driven by trust in a loving God. They are wise women. In her commentary, Carol Miles looks at the ancient practice of midwifery in biblical times, and she discovers that midwives in biblical times were actually called uh, wise women because they were operating at the intersection of the spiritual and the physical. So in biblical times, midwifery was women's work. Men did not actually come to dominate obstetrics until modern medicine. But in this era, it was women who really came in and guided each other. And they not only brought, Carol Miles says, um, a body, a wealth of information, of clinical uh, skills and, uh, and knowledge about obstetrics, but they also brought spiritual knowledge. So they also guided women through this profound spiritual experience of having a baby. They often prayed with them as well as taking care of them physically. And so because of this, they were called wise women. And she points that if you look at the French term for midwife, sage femme, it means wise woman. Shifra and Pua were indeed wise. They operated at that intersection of the spiritual and the physical, and they had the ability to distinguish between spiritual values and earthly values. 
Terence Fretham writes in his commentary that the wise, i.e., the ones who fear God, are those who are not dis- not only discerning, excuse me, are those who not only discern the spiritual order, but who also brought their actions and lives into harmony with it. So Shifra and Puah were facing two sets of mandates. They had Pharaoh's orders to take life, but then they also had God's order to let life live and thrive. And they decided to bring their life and their actions into harmony with God's order and God's reality. And I think of this like um, in the terms of Shifra and Puah were able to pull focus. And this is, this is actually a film term. So when I was in film school, they taught us this technique with the camera. And it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm sure you've seen it. It's, in a, it's like would be in a movie in a scene where you're looking at the screen and you'd see, say, a man in the airport looking for his love, right? And he's sharp, he's in focus at the forefront, and behind him it's kind of blurry, and he's like looking around. And then all of a sudden, without cutting, without changing the camera angle, the camera will just refocus, and suddenly you see the woman standing behind him, smiling, waiting for him, right? And so you can see this picture up here, it sort of shows that. So it's just when you're watching the frame and the camera shifts focus, it's called pulling focus so that it pulls your attention in a different direction. When I imagine Shifra and Pua refusing to follow Pharaoh's orders, I imagine Pharaoh standing in the foreground, his power and threat looming large, putting their lives in danger. And yet because they are wise women, they're able to pull focus to see God's plan and power hovering wider, deeper, and bigger than any power Pharaoh could wield. Because they're able to pull focus like this, they're able to act with profound courage in the face of their own danger. And when Pharaoh saw that his policy of infanticide wasn't working, he called them back to himself. And he was like, what's going on? Why are these babies still living? And in their cleverness and in their brilliance, Shifra and Pua play on Pharaoh's prejudices against the Hebrews. So the NIV version that we read today said the women are vigorous, but actually the Hebrew is more like the women are like the wild animals of the field. Like they just keep popping these babies out and we can't get to them in time. And so they're so brilliant because they play into Pharaoh's already established fear and prejudice. He already thinks of these Israelites as less than human. And so when they say, oh, they're like the wild animals of the field, he just swallows it hook, line, and sinker. And because God is watching over them, he lets them go. Um, So Shifra and Pua find this courage to act even in the face of their mortal danger I believe because they see the bigger picture that they're in the hands of Yahweh. So um, I, had a, I have a really good friend who's a doula, and she has, until this point in her career, attended about 20 to 25 births. And she and I, I sent her all the materials I had been reading about Shifra and Pua, and I said, I just want to hear, like, from your experience, what you think of all this. And we got to talking about this moment in childbirth called transition, and it's probably the moment that is the most painful. It, it is like such a profound pain. It's like a psychic pain. And it's the moment when um, you just feel, a woman feels like, if this gets any worse, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to die. I can't do it. And this would be the moment where women start saying, I, give me the drugs. Like, I'm ready. Like, just take this baby. Um, and Jill was saying that in that moment, when she's doing these births with these women, what she's found the longer she's done it, 
um, is that the most powerful thing she can do is look the woman in the eye and say, you are safe. She just looks them in the eye and she says, you are safe. And she said, you know, it's really interesting when you tell someone they are safe, you just see them visibly relax. And what I think is so powerful about this story is that Jill's words, you are safe, don't actually change the pain. It doesn't take away the difficult circumstances. But I think it allows these women to be able to pull focus and to see the larger truth. And it allows them to transform in the midst of the pain. I think it's the same wisdom that guided Shifra and Pua, that even though their bodies weren't safe, um, they trusted God and were committed to his revealed will. They knew they were the hands of Yahweh, and that was the safest place they could be. And it, uh, it is out of their defiance and their quiet subversion that Israel is saved. Moses is able to be born. Uh, he isn't killed on the birthing stone. And thus he's able to, uh, to go on to become the one who leads Israel to freedom. Which leads me to my other insight here, and also one that I had read through the commentaries, is that the story of Shifra and Pua is a story of how vital women are in God's economy. Terence Fretham writes in his commentary, it can rightfully be said that women are here given such a crucial role that Israel's future is made dependent on their wisdom, courage, and vision. Women make a difference, and not just to Israel, but to God. God is able to work in and through these women, and that creates possibilities for God's way into the future with his people that might not have been there otherwise. The greater story here is that God is trying to make for himself a nation that would be his people, um, that he would be their God, and through them he would bring about salvation for the world. And when Exodus opens, the Israelites, they're proliferating, but they're not yet God's nation. It's not until God sets them free from Egypt and brings them into the desert that he begins to shape them and make them into his nation, into his people, um, so that he can then bring salvation to the world, which is Jesus. We believe is Jesus. Because Shifra and Pua saved Moses, he is able to set Israel free, and they are able to go on and become God's people. But it's not just Shifra and Pua who are remarkable in the story. Exodus actually names six women all together who are crucial to Israel's freedom. There was Jochebed, Moses' mother. So after the infanticide didn't work, Pharaoh made a rule for all the Egyptians. He said, if you see any Hebrew little boy, kill him. So even after Moses was born, he wasn't safe, and his mother and her wisdom took him and hid him in the Nile. And then there was Pharaoh's daughter and Pharaoh's daughter's servant, who then found Moses and decided that they would ignore Pharaoh's order and instead adopt the baby. And then there was Moses' brilliant sister Miriam, who in the moment realized she could really leverage this. And she said, hey, she approached Pharaoh's daughter at the Nile and said, I know a woman who can nurse this baby for you. And she ended up taking Moses back to his own mother, Jochebed, where he was able to be raised with her for the first three years of his life. And then there's Zipporah, Moses's wife, who saves him in the desert so that he's then able to go on and help set Israel free. Women are a dynamic, powerful player in God's divine economy. 
And this is the value of studying some of these lesser-known Bible stories, because when we focus only on the big stories and gloss over some of the finer details, we miss some of these deep spiritual truths that shape how we understand God and His plan for us. God values women not as lesser beings who are weak and need to be protected, but as power agents in His divine story of redemption and salvation in the world. So what are our takeaways from Shifra and Pua? Well, I think we can learn these things from them. We learn that uh, we can live at the intersection of the spiritual and the physical. Shifra and Pua teach us how to pull focus and bring our lives into harmony with this deeper spiritual reality. They show us how to live out of trust rather than fear. They show us that we're in the hands of Yahweh. It doesn't matter also, they teach us, it doesn't matter if the world tells you that you're powerless. When you live according to the values of God's kingdom, when you trust God and commit yourself to his will, then we unleash a spiritual power in our lives and the lives of those around us that not only impacts eternity, but opens doors for things to be made new here on earth. And so it's from this place that we see some of the most profound acts of civil disobedience happening. People standing up in the face of earthly power and saying, you know, that's not how God designed it. And I'm not going to bring my life in order with your earthly power. This last week, um, there was a collection of priests and parishioners who walked into the Capitol building um, in protest over the abysmal um, circumstances in the holding facilities at the border. And some of you may know that in April, I took a trip down to the Mexican border uh, with a group of uh, pastors and leaders. And we went to go meet with the migrant families that are traveling up and trying to seek refuge in the States. And what was interesting to me was that despite all of the horror they had seen on their trips coming up to the southern border, the thing that they wanted to talk to us about the most was the circumstances of the holding facilities. And they kept telling us, we're not animals, we're not animals, please don't treat us this way, right? But in the face of this crisis in the States, the government has had a very hard time making a decision moving forward. And so in that gap, these people of faith have come in and they've taken a stand and they've said, this is not God's order. Life is sacred. This is not how God intended it. And so I'm going to bring my life and my body in order with God's design. And so they put their bodies on the line, they walked into the Capitol building, and they were let out in handcuffs. But to those of us watching them, we are reminded through their courage and their vision of what God's beautiful design is here on this earth. And maybe we are inspired to bring our lives into harmony with that order too. My prayer for us this week is that we can have the same vision and the same courage that Shifra and Pua had, that we can, in the face of our work circumstances, our school circumstances, our family circumstances, um, our community circumstances, that we can pull focus and we can see the God of the universe standing behind it uh, with his omnipotent, loving, good arms, open wide, holding us, and that we can then move our lives and our hearts into harmony with that reality and that truth. 
So I'm going to pray for us, but then um, we're going to leave here and we're going to go into the discussion area in the gym where we have discussion questions where we can continue to unpack what does it mean to bring our life into harmony with the spiritual reality in the face of a physical world and reality. I also want to make sure you know that there is prayer today after service over here on the side. There's some chairs set up. If you would like for us to pray for you, feel free to come on over and have a seat and we will be happy to do that. So let, us, let me pray for us as we go. Lord, we thank you so much for the beautiful, powerful example, example of these women, Shifra and Pua, who chose to live their life out of trust, even in the face of physical danger, and who tro- chose to take a quiet but radical stand to bring their lives and their actions into order with your beautiful design and your deeper spiritual reality. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be close to us this week, that you would speak and whisper into our hearts, our minds, into our ears. Remind us and assure us of the deeper reality that we are held in your hands. Remind us of what your beautiful design and order is. And then empower us, Holy Spirit, to make uh, the right actions, to bring our lives and our hearts into harmony with you so that we can help bring newness to this earth, and bring your kingdom here on earth. In your name, Jesus, amen.